0: Hello, I'm Trevor Smith, and welcome to Audio Mission from Church Mission Society. This month, our world tour continues into Africa, and we meet three local partners of Church Mission Society there, all gathered at the recent joint conference of CMS and CMS Africa People in Mission, which took place in Uganda. They are all also representatives for CMS Africa, dynamic leaders who are real change makers in many communities. Sarah Holmes met Rachel Karanja from Kenya and asked about how she first got involved in CMS Africa and her experience as a woman leading a major biogas construction project and the delightful circles of hope that result, both as people helping each other in sharing expertise and the cycle of biogas production that helps fertilise good quality grass for cows and then creates more dung for biogas production.
1: My name is Rachel Karanja, as you have heard, and I joined CMS in the year 2008 and a business as mission. When Reverend Dennis Tongoy came to our church and preached about business as mission, that I was doing business in information technology, but I felt that the way I was conducting my business was not glorifying God. So after Dennis spoke about business as mission, I asked him if I can have more information about business as mission, and that is when he invited me to Church Mission Society so that I can learn more. From that time, the year 2008, I left my business, IT business, joined CMS so that I could conduct if I were to start another business, I would start it with biblically, it would be a biblically based business with biblical foundations. After that, is, that is when Dennis appointed me to do a project in Machakos, that is uh, environmental conservation project, and uh, which was biogas. Installation of biogas in Machakos. And I was under the leadership of uh, Bishop Kanuku in Machakos. Uh, we had uh, the technicians from India, and uh, it was supported from the UK. And uh, it was a very hard project because this was something that is, was meant to be. It was like men are the ones who are supposed to do such a project because it was construction. But I have no idea why Dennis I thought I could do it. So I went with a lot of uh, positive mental attitude. And uh, the Indians could not understand English, the native language, or even Kiswairi. But uh, by the grace of God, we were able to coordinate through God's wisdom. We were able to name things and we worked it out. And within no time, in about uh, two years, Also, we had about 21 biogas units constructed and done. And uh, we had trained people on uh, farming God's way and had practiced. And then in the year 2011, we had uh, the project graced by the former Bishop of Canterbury. Uh, uh, Rowan Williams, so he came to visit Machakos and we really thank God because he graced the occasion, and we were the, the the occasion, and we were very happy for his visit because we also felt that God is doing something, and communities are being transformed through the project.
2: And how did they react to having a woman in charge?
1: Well, uh, that is a perception. Uh, mostly in our African culture that women are not supposed to, to lead. Uh, but in those two years, you were able to do vision conferences about two of them. And that mindset was completely changed because we even recruited other women to come and support me. That is one of the ladies is Bilham Keku, who is together with me. Today, we have mentored Bill Hiver since that time until she has become a champion. And she's the only woman in my Ma- Makweni diocese who is championing CMS activities.
2: So, tell us um, what happened next on your journey. Uh, what in Africa?
1: Okay, what happened on my journey is uh, the project was very well uh, re- received in Machakos and everybody embraced it and lives were transformed and uh, we, we saw a lot of changes in Machacos. It was regarded to be a very it's a, a semi-arid place whereby nothing good can come out of that place. but people because of the biogas project, they started now rearing dairy cows. You know, they started dairy, dairy cows and the milk they would get. They would sell some. They have gone into the value-adding. They have started making yogurt and they have started uh, selling. So that's, it becomes an income-generating activity and it became very sustainable because from all the conception, there was active participation of the community. So when we were doing it, the community owned the project. They were committed to the project and they could do anything to protect their or to defend that project. Now up to today the project is sustaining itself, even if us people we are not, not there, the project is still moving on.
2: And how have you seen things people's lives have been transformed through the project? But have you got examples what anything that springs to mind?
1: Yes, yes, yes. You know, when you do a biogas project we have the the product that is the fertilizer, which is organic. Besides now getting the biogas, the biogas is used for cooking. You know, you use it for cooking because people there initially used to use it for, uh, use firewood for fuel, for cooking. But now after introduction of biogas, they got it, a cleaner uh, and, and held their energy. That is biogas for cooking and lighting. And now the byproduct is fertilizer. The fertilizer, they put it in their napier grass. This napier grass they use it for feeding the cows. The cows, they produce more milk. And this milk now, they value add it, and then it becomes yogurt. And then they start selling the milk. Now you see, it's a circle. You know, you feed the cow, the cow gives you even more dung to put even more dung in the biogas. You know, the, the raw material for biogas, it is the, the, the cow dung. So you put, you get even more, more gas. Besides, this organic fertilizer, you put it in your crops.
0: Thank God with us for the provision of so much potential in nature if we learn to steward it well. Give thanks too for the training and networking organised by CMS Africa which is enabling projects like Rachel's to flourish. Next we hear from the Reverend Bisoke Barakenga from DR Congo. He oversees the Anglican Church's youth work at a national level and also has a passion for peace and reconciliation. He told Sarah Holmes about a new peace and reconciliation centre being built in Bunia.
3: The centre is there. We have gotten a land, a big portion of land, which can help us to build our centre very well. Then it'll be a place where the young people can come and then they enjoy and they relax. Then the building not yet. We have built some things like Angar which is helping now 140 uh, ladies who are coming there. Now also even the boys are coming. Who Many are the of the
2: ladies. Sorry, you say the ladies, but we're.
3: Tell me a little about them. Yeah, the ladies, we can say, the, the young women, we can say those are uh, 17 years, 15 years, 12 years, even seven years old, the ladies who are coming there because many of them have been suffering with the culture because parents are not sending them to school. Then they say they have to wait for getting a husband, but there are no husband who are coming there. But many of them have been raped. they got gotten children without planning. Now they are there, we're taking care of them. Then even the boys who are coming also there to learn. Then for us, we're teaching them the word of God. Then we are teaching them the agriculture things as well. We have a place where we grow some potatoes, which they they come there. We teach them something to do, like a garden. Then uh, those things are helping them to sell them out, the sweet potatoes, even they're getting food for their family.
2: What's your biggest challenge in your mission?
3: Yes, my big challenge is about uh, the war sometimes in the country, then also sometimes lack of uh, fund for some time, which is really a big challenge for me, because when we don't have that fund for traveling, you know, Congo, you, must, you need to fly, then it's very expensive sometimes, and uh, this is the challenge I'm facing.
2: If you could kind of um, dream your biggest dream, hmm. what would that be for your ministry?
3: Yeah, my ministry. My uh, big dream is to build uh, the center in each diocese. This is what I start one in Bunya, because I can see the church the way we have a church in the Congo. The young people is like they are not really having a hundred percent freedom of having their center where they can even themselves manage. Also, it can have uh, can generate some some uh, some money for the faction. This is the big uh, dream which I have. If God can help me, before my retirement, if I can help in each diocese, because we have a nine dioceses, if each diocese can build a centre for the young people.
2: And what's the church, the situation with the Church of Congo um, at the moment?
3: Yeah, at least now is okay. Church is uh, doing well. Mm-hmm. Only there is a lot of things to do because many people are really traumatized. There is really a lot of uh, things happening on the women. Many of them are traumatized. Many are widows. Many are orphan, Then many have been having problems with their husband. Then really the church is doing well, doing its best. But we need to work more in order to help. Really we need that, that prayer for peace. Mm. Is most important for us because that side of northeast of Congo still have some some problems. Mm. Yeah. Do
2: you worry about safety
3: and? Yeah, but I know our work is God who protecting us, but the people are suffering a lot. Yeah, it's some of our worry, but God is in control because I know God is there, God will bring peace to us.
2: Tell me about being a local partner. You used to be a Timothy partner with yeah. Mission Society, Yeah, yeah. local partner you know Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what does that mean for you?
3: Since I've been in, I think that uh, local mission partner now is about six years, Oh maybe five years, maybe five years, I think so. Um, and I'm, ra- for you, for you. Yes, mm. I'm really happy then uh, it connects me with many people then also I have a lot of people to pray for the work I'm doing mm. in Africa in Europe in America in everywhere that will give me a lot of security then it makes me happy that uh, I'm doing God's work mm. now we are familiar being a missionary because a long time ago we knew only the missionaries, the white people not the black people Now it let the church in Africa, to encourage more of it, saying, oh, African can be also a missionary. That's a very good thing. Now it's better for us to think beyond that one. What African will do now? Now, yes, yeah, what African will do now next?
0: Bisoke Balakenga with a pertinent question. Where will God's mission call lead our African sisters and brothers next? For our last interview from Africa, our international mission director Paul Thaxter talks to a local partner of Church Mission Society called to the Muslim-majority Garissa region of eastern Kenya, a region he knew by reputation but thought there was no way he would ever live there.
4: God called me into that ministry and God prepared for me an avenue. I went and trained as a missionary because that was the mission God had given to me. And after training, we were told to pray, that God may enable those who send us, to send us where God wants us to be. Ah. And that is why I arrived arrived there. When I went there, what happened was, I just felt the peace of God. People asked me, you are going to Galicia? It's a bad place, but now me reaching there, feel the peace of God was resting upon my life. And why did they say it was a bad place? What were they trying to say? They were t- saying that because there were this group of al-Shabaab attacking people on the way as you go. So it was that you were escorted by the police, otherwise you could not reach. And so it, it's a, a place of possible terrorist attack like the university yes. that was attacked there with 180 people uh, killed, wasn't it? Yes, yes, people were killed and by that time my wife was there. Me, I had come back home. I was run that morning. That that is what was what had happened, mm. and my wife told me. And we began to pray, and uh, we began to, to. Although it it, it, it well, we were panicking, but we were still asking the Lord to help us to know what to do. But yet the Lord still was putting that burden in us that we have to be there. The work is not yet complete. Wow! And so so we in Garissa, you, you went to. Uh... Uh, the village, twenty kilometers away. Yes, yes. Tell tell us about that village. There are several tribe uh, people of different tribes there. Ah. But those who have come there are Somalis and Garis, They have come there to do business and to set up uh, hotels and, and 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 do other things of selling and and buying uh, uh, animals. So you, when you went there, yes. did you have a place to live? Well, what happened was when we went there, the mission that sent us. Had a a house, a mud house, which was there. But although it was on top, there were iron sheets. But it was was just a house, three bedroom. But we were sharing two families, each each a bedroom, each a bedroom, and we we were sharing this the the, the main room. And so, uh, how did the local people view you at that time? Well, as we went there, one thing we we went to the leadership and told them that we had come because there were missionaries that were there before. So we said we had come to replace those who had left. And because of the work that, that they had seen in that, in that place, they were welcoming to us because they knew that missionaries were good people. Ah, well that's, that's great. Yes. So these people, uh, are they from Muslim background? Or from a different background? No, they, they were Christian. Uh, the, the, this the, the inhabitants. Yes, the inhabitants are ninety nine percent Muslim. And uh, do they all live in the village? How How do they earn a living? They live in the village, but they are pastoralists. So when when there is drought, they go elsewhere to look for 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 grass for the for the goats and the, the donkeys and their camels. So you have have you got any d- donkeys or goats? No. So when they go off, yes. are you the only ones left in the village? Yes, we are the only ones left in the village with one or two, or, or the, the, the traders who have set up shops there. Uh-huh. But all everybody's out, so we are left there. So, so what do you do then? So w- one thing we, 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 we do is we, we sit, as we get time we also go, go and visit them wherever they have gone wow. although it's a distance we visit them yes. just to, to take time with them so they feel good they say I, this one has come to see us they feel very good we talk we share we eat what they eat to, to, together they give us meat we eat together we, we eat we eat meat with tea and whatever they eat they, 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 they feel good because it shows they, 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 they appreciate us because we appreciate what they are doing what they are eating and everything that they do. Wonderful. How long have you been doing this for? This is my fifth year. And uh, are you learning this language? Yes, I'm learning. And what's your hope about learning the language? My, obviously to communicate with people yes and my hope of, about learning the language is to be able now to communicate with the older people because they don't know israeli they don't know english and uh-huh. that the only way we can communicate is through knowing their language so how can we pray for you give us one thing as we conclude this interview yeah. w- what can we pray for you as a family i would like you to pray for us because now we as we venture into missions god is putting that burden in us that we should continue until he tells us now do something else but then as as we are still there we are praying that god will help us because it's, it's it's a big place we need more workers to come in and so that we can work we also go through challenges, financial challenges, distance with our children sometimes because our children are at the back at home. Mm. Uh, so we're connecting to them sometimes needs a lot of, uh, a lot of patience. We don't know what is happening to them and uh, we, we, we pray that God will, 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 will give resources in order for us to be able to minister to them in,
0: in, in a better way. Pray as the family ventures further into mission for the resources they need to sustain life and more workers. They're also away from their children. Now we draw this edition of Audio Mission to a close with a prayer exercise inspired by the church's season of Epiphany. Here's Ian Adams. This month we continue in the
5: season of Epiphany, a season of revelation, that the Holy Child Jesus is not just coming close for a few not just for a particular tribe or for a nation, not even just for a religion. Rather that Jesus is a gift to all peoples everywhere. And our prayer is for the gift to be received and enjoyed. Here's a simple prayer action to reflect your desire for the gift of Christ to be received and enjoyed. Make your prayers in words, and then as you fall into silence, open your hands as if you are cupping them to receive water. When you're ready, then open your arms wide, a sign of God's presence in and for all the world. Here's a simple prayer you can use to accompany this exercise. Jesus, be here now, be received now, be welcomed now.
0: Ian Adams, Mission Spirituality Advisor for Church Mission Society, bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Join us next month when our world tour continues into the far reaches of Europe.